Hey everyone, welcome to Entrepreneurship by Design with Dr. C. I'm your host, Dr. Caroline, and thank you so much for joining us today. Entrepreneurship looks different for everyone. How and why we start our business, challenges that occur, pivots we have to make, success we achieve, all while life is happening. That's why I love sharing these inspiring entrepreneurs with you and shed light that there is enough room for everyone to succeed and thrive, even if you're in the same industry. I'm so glad you're here today because we have a phenomenal guest with us, Erica. Erica is the CEO and founder of Low Ultraviolet LUV. LUV is a safe and fashionable UPF 50 plus clothing brand on a mission to educate and protect the public from skin cancer. She founded LUV in December 2019 while a senior in college at Virginia Tech. Erica now lives just outside of Washington, D.C. with her husband and German Shepherd pup. And thank you so much for being here today, Erica. It is such a pleasure to have you. And I would love for you to just dive into your journey, how you got here today, and then we can go a little bit deeper. Absolutely. Well, first and foremost, thank you so much for having me. It's always really exciting to have a new platform and opportunity to talk a little bit more about the business and the work that we're doing in our mission. But to dive in first and foremost, I am kind of an entrepreneur by just happenstance. It's something that I always thought was interesting and entertaining. I always have big ideas. I'm always thinking for the next thing, always learning, always growing. And my background is actually in fashion merchandising and design. So to go all the way back to my college days, uh, even before LUV was even founded, I went to Virginia Tech, go Hokies, and I majored in communication studies and then minored in fashion merchandising and design. And I always knew I loved those two together. I loved marketing. I loved apparel. I just never really knew where the two could come together in my life to create something. I and mean, I don't want to dive too deep into the founding of LUV and give too much away right from the get-go, but it's been such an exciting journey over the past couple of years. I founded the company in December of 2019. And when I think about it, I'm like, I can't believe almost three and a half years has gone by. It's pretty crazy and remarkable and exciting all at the same time. Oh, I love it. And it's so crazy how things just kind of merge together. You don't really plan on it, but how you can create something that you really are passionate about, also protecting people too. And I'm so curious because I know you really focus on skin protection, skin cancer prevention. How did your personal experience and passion drive you to create a clothing brand focused on UPF plus protection and skin cancer prevention? Yeah, so it really was a personal story that really jump-started the business. Like I said, I always loved apparel, always loved marketing, just was never sure what to do with it. And it really was a personal story that hit me over the head. It was my junior year of college, and I got a call from my mom saying that she was diagnosed with malignant melanoma, and I knew nothing about skin cancer. I knew nothing about melanoma. I knew that that name. I knew that that was cancer and I knew it was very, very serious and deadly, but that was really all I knew. So I kind of just froze on the phone. I wasn't sure what to do. I wasn't sure what to think. Of course, went to Google and read all the things that I wish I didn't read about skin cancer and melanoma. But fast forward, you know, a couple months, my mom was thankfully uh, in the best care hands possible and her doctors took very, very good care of her. And she told my family, please all go get skin checks just for peace of mind. So 
we grew up, I have blonde hair, pale skin, blue eyes. Um, my brother has red hair, pale skin. We never really spent a lot of the time in the sun, but we are genetically predisposed to skin cancer just because of those statistics and those characteristics. And then now, because of my mom's case, we have to take it even more seriously. So it was two weeks before my 21st birthday. I was about to head for the beach, but I made a doctor's appointment with a dermatologist for a skin check just to check it off my list, tell my mom I did it give her that peace of mind that I would be good to go. And I went into that doctor's appointment and ended up having two biopsies taken. And I was so confused. I, again, did not know that much about skin cancer. I always thought it was an older person's disease. And here I was, I wasn't even 21. It was not something I thought I would ever have to deal with. Um, so that really just kind of reset my frame of reference on what skin cancer is and the ages that can be implicated and impacted. And I really launched into finding others who might have similar experiences. So think Facebook groups, talking to family, talking to friends, just trying to find anyone who would make me feel less alone in this journey. Um, and what I ended up finding was an incredible support group on Facebook of women who I started having conversations with. And I found that there was a huge gap in the market for some protective apparel that was designed by women specifically for a younger demographic of women. So early 20s to kind of like the early 40s was severely overlooked by the industry. So we had a ton of apparel items that were ill-fitting and bright patterns and think like Lily Pulitzer and things that you you didn't want to wear. I mean, I live in Washington, D.C. I'm not going to wear that to work or, or around. I needed stuff that incorporated effortlessly into my routine. And through those conversations, I learned that other people felt the exact same way. So my entrepreneurial gear started to kick into high gear and I decided to do something about it. What a story too. And just, I, I think a lot of times we find there's a pain point in our lives and it becomes our purpose and being able yeah. to recognize that something that was awful that happened first to your mom and then your experience. But luckily because of your mom, you did go get checked earlier than mm -hmm. maybe you would have. And I would love for you to kind of debunk some of the myths that are around skin cancer. I know you kind of touched on a few, but to really dive into that so somebody listening can just be a little bit more aware and bring awareness to it. Yeah, it's a fantastic question because there are so many things that I just heard through the grapevine or from friends that are just not true. And you don't know it until you actually go and seek out the knowledge. And one of those was, you know, when I was in high school, everyone went and got a base tan at the beginning of summer because, well, once you got that base tan, the, the tan just kept building and you wouldn't burn after that. And the reality of that is a tan is already a sign of your skin being damaged. So by the time you have a tan, your skin has already seen pretty significant sun damage. And then by the time you see a sunburn, that is your skin saying, hold up, wait, no, you are harming me. Like I'm done. Get out of the sun. Mm -hmm. um, so that's the first one about a base tan. And then the second one, and I don't know if people have similar experiences to this, but growing up, you know, when I was at the beach or at the lake with my family, if I ever got too much sun, my dad would put over a white cotton shirt over me. So one of his shirts and I'd be running around, you know, a five-year-old tripping over his shirt, just wearing it around to try and get out of the sun, but still enjoy myself. And what I have learned since is that a white cotton t-shirt 
actually only has a UPF rating of about three to five. And that's if the item isn't wet or damaged or compromised in any other way. So once that t-shirt's wet, it's actually providing very, very minimal sun protection. That sun is going right through that shirt and continuing to damage that skin. And that's something I mean, I never knew. I mean, how many kids do you see running around in t-shirts or long sleeves? And you think they're protected. You think that parent is doing the right thing and they are, but it's just information that we are learning about further things that you should do for sun safety. Wow. My mind's blown. Uh, I'm like just thinking back to all my years of tanning. It just, it's really puts it in perspective of going and making sure you get checked. And what are some of the statistics? Because I know you said there was a big gap and not as many young individuals are going because just like you, I think, oh, okay, it's like older individuals, but I have in recent years learned more people, younger individuals are having situations where they have to get a biopsy or skin cancer or at the beginning stages. So what are some mm-hmm. of the statistics that you know of? Yeah, it's crazy because it's actually, we we partner with the Claire Marie Foundation, which is a wonderful foundation that focuses on young adult and adolescent melanoma, and they have some some fantastic research and stats about how in the younger demographics, so we're talking like early 20s to early 30s, your increase, so if you develop melanoma, there's actually a higher likelihood of it progressing to a more deadly form just because your hormones are kind of doing crazy things and your body's changing so rapidly. So melanoma actually progresses a lot more quickly and younger individuals. Um, And then some statistics about, you know, where it shows up, you know, I got so much grief when I started the brand because I created a wrap skirt. That was the first product that I pitched with in our pitch competition, because I knew for women, you know, on their legs is actually where skin cancer presents itself the most. And I pitched the product and the feedback I got back was, well, that's not true. I don't know why you would do that. It presents itself in the arms. And the funny part is I said, yes, for men not for women, that's for men. So there's just so much misinformation out there and so many like little minute details that you wouldn't even think about, Um, you know, presenting differently in men versus women is one of those things. Wow. See, I'm just like, oh my God, I had no idea. (laughs) I'm like, I need to make a call with my dermatologist like tomorrow, yesterday. (laughs) I don't think I have it, but you never know. And I think it's being safe and sorry. And I think it's important for people, especially in those states where it's sunshine. Like I grew up in South Florida, lived in California. I was always exposed to the sun now in Colorado. As you can see, I'm a Mm -hmm. little bit paler, but I don't get out as much. (laughs) But I also wear a lot more sunscreen and I'm very conscious of that because I understand now being in my early 30s, mid 30s, it's a little bit different than when I was in my early 20s or even my teens as well. But I think it's important the sooner we get checked and just keep on top of it, just like we get a physical. I think it's an important aspect too, just from what I'm hearing from you and the importance of it. Yeah. And it's even if you don't have something that you think is concerning, but just getting a skin check, like you get a yearly physical, like you get an eye doctor or you go to the eye doctor, any of those things, it should be an annual appointment just to stay on top of it. Because one thing about skin cancer is the earlier you can detect it, the less it progresses and the more curable it actually is. And I don't like to scare people with that, but it truly is. You have to catch it earlier. It can become very deadly, especially melanoma. No, absolutely. And I appreciate you sharing all this because I think it's really important just understanding it and 
preventing something from becoming something bigger. And that's the yeah. point of talking about it, not to scare anyone, but just, right. so you know, know your body, <laughs> right? You know what's going on with it. And, you mm-hmm. know, I know you started this business back in college, your senior year. What yeah. were some of the challenges that you faced as a young entrepreneur starting your business in college? And how did you overcome those challenges? I look back on that and it's kind of bonkers to me that we that the company was founded in December of 2019. So if you think about that in terms of what's been happening in the world the past couple of months, we were technically founded in December of 2019 to enter a pitch competition where I I grew a team from that. We pitched, we won initial seed funding in February of 2020, and then the world shut down two weeks later. So we had just started to kick into high gear. We were so excited. We had so many ideas. I was reaching out to manufacturers. I was ready to go to launch and then everything just stopped. And I didn't fully have the tools to try and figure it out because again, I hadn't even graduated college yet. I was still trying to maneuver the college to real world transition. Mm -hmm. I didn't know how to do a company on top of that and then throw in the world being in such a crazy place. Um, I finished my entire last semester of college completely online. So trying to figure out how to do that, trying to figure out how to get people to just even answer my calls about this, this idea, because no, no manufacturers, no one wanted to take a risk on a small startup business when their company was basically going under. I mean, they were losing employees. Uh, their supply chains were completely ruined all of the above things were so weird why would you why would you risk it on a small company i mean you wouldn't it's just in best business practice so one thing i had to learn through luv very very quickly was how to advocate for myself which ironically is something i learned through business and then i figured out how to transition it to my my real life my my real life my own personal side of things but it was it was really hard i mean it was it still is to this day challenges every single day to figure out how to do something and not have a process in place and have to figure out how to manage it and what you're going to do and what your next step is. But that is also the greatest thing about entrepreneurship is there's no rule book. So Mm -hmm. I can wake up and say, okay, today I'm going to work on this. And if it doesn't work, that's okay. Tomorrow I'll start again and I'll I'll take two. I'll try it from another approach. And you just continually try and test things out and just hope for the best, honestly. I believe that. And you're right. There is no rule book. It really is deciding, okay, let's try this one, one way. And if it doesn't work, you got to try a different way. Just like Thomas Edison with electricity. He didn't discover it overnight. It it took about 10,000 tries (laughs) and hopefully it doesn't take us 10,000, but you know, that's a lot of work. But Mm -hmm. understanding too what makes sense. And I love that you didn't allow any, and it's kind of like the synergy between the two of being a young entrepreneur in college, because a lot of people have these myths or misconceptions about starting very young, but then at the same time, even with business and finding what works well with that and being a younger company and trying to figure out what works best, but pushing through that, pushing through the myths, just like yeah. with skin cancer too, and the prevention and being aware of our bodies, all of those things. It's just really opening up our eyes to seeing what works best and what is going to be helpful versus having this misconception about it too, because I think that's mm-hmm. the biggest part of understanding ourselves, but also what we're doing in the world. 
And what I love about LUV is it's not just a clothing brand. There's yeah. so much behind it. I know there's you're actively working to educate and raise awareness about skincare prevention. What ways have you been able to do that? Yeah. And thank you for bringing that up. That is one of the most important things to me is I knew when I started the brand, it had to be more than a clothing brand. It had to have a purpose. It had to have a mission. It had to help people. And when I started, I said, if I can just change one life for the better, this all would have been well worth it. And I, I hopefully, I think we've already done that. I think we're continuing to do that each and every day, but we do that through educating very, very strongly. So we have the ultraviolet tide podcast where we bring on dermatologists and we bring in experts and we bring in business owners and we talk about all of the myths and we talk about all of the um, things that are happening in the industry. So all the studies that are coming out about new treatments and new measures of prevention and all of that. Um, I'm also very, very active with the Melanoma Research Foundation, which is based right here in Washington, D.C. They are incredible. We've worked with them for, I think, three years now. We started in 2020, and they continue to pro provide us with information and opportunities. And their research that they're doing is very imperative to the work we're doing because we're not dermatologists. We're not leaders in the industry when it comes to the research that's being done. So it was important for us to partner with an organization that was doing those things so that we're part of the, the solution, not the problem. So our partnership with the Melanoma Research Foundation is very important. And then I also go to a lot of conferences to learn and then give that information back to our audience. So I was recently at a conference for the Melanoma Research Alliance, where it was a ton of the smartest people ever you would ever imagine in a room. So doctors who are talking about these new treatments and what works best and all of that. And I sat there and I was like, there is something so powerful about being one of the dumbest people in the room. I am learning so much. I feel so out of place, but in the best way possible, because I didn't know the lingo, but I was, I was like, well, I'm going to learn it. I'm going to pick it up. But things like that, that we can take and digest and make it a blog post or a podcast for our audience, something that's easily digestible that they can go and share with their family and friends to educate them. And we create kind of this beautiful chain reaction of, of change. I love what you said too about being not the smartest person in the room and you learn so <laughs> much because I think we always learn when we interact with somebody new, just what they bring to the table, but hearing it from doctors and really taking that and applying that to your business and bringing awareness to skincare prevention as well. And I think that's the beautiful thing of when we can take the knowledge we're learning and apply it to being able to see those results and make it better and being part of the solution. And I think that's what it's about with any business that we create. It's really about finding a problem and creating a solution for it. And you have done that. And I would love for you to share just a testimonial or a story from a customer who has benefited from using the products, but also becoming more aware of sun protection. Yeah. Our audience is the absolute best. Um, I think one of the best testimonials I ever received was from someone who said, I never wore sunscreen before I was introduced to your brand and your mission. And now I wear it every single day and I get my skin checked every single year. And yeah, things like that are just, I see you beaming and I'm like, I know, isn't that amazing? It is. I feel it. I'm like, that's incredible. Yeah. It's just like hearing stuff like that really, really 
it just makes me feel like the work we're doing has such a strong impact because the industry is so new that we really get to be on the forefront of of change, of evolution of the industry. So anytime I hear, you know, I didn't know what UPF clothing was, and then I found your brand, and now I wear my dress, and I wear my hat, and I wear my gaiter, and and stuff like that is incredible. Or even when people reach out and say, I want to carry your products, that's amazing too. You know, we had a boutique reach out um, that one of our ambassadors actually made the connection for, and she's like, I have the perfect environment for this. I've been looking for a product like this. I want your product in my store. And as an entrepreneur that hears a lot of no's every single day, those yeses are so powerful. And I just like, I hear like, we are the champions or something playing in my head. And I just, I use that as momentum to keep going, even if the days are really hard. I I couldn't agree more. And that's so beautiful too. The yeses are so strong because we do hear a lot of no's, even if it's an amazing product or service, we we hear no more than once. Oh yeah. Oh (laughs) yeah. You hear a lot of no's. At least all the successful people I know. (laughs) It's interesting too, though, because you learn how to, a no doesn't always mean like no forever. It just means no for now. And that's something I've learned too, is I never take a no for a no. If I, if I know, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to rephrase that. I never take that as like an absolute. If I think that it might be the correct path for the business or for the product or for whatever. So I have to be a little bit, I mean, my husband would probably say my hardheadedness comes naturally, but I have to be very, very adamant in our product and our brand and our mission and continue to push that forward, regardless of maybe other feedback that I get. And I was just thinking too, because it is a newer type of product because you don't really hear about it often. When you started to create the brand and the clothing and making sure that it had 50 plus and everything else, what was that process like for you? Oh my gosh, it was so crazy because when I started Googling and I started searching, one, I didn't even know the term UPF. I didn't know anything about the industry. So I was looking up sunscreen apparel, sunscreen protection, and just looking at options. And what I found was the industry really gatekeep that information from the consumer, which is one, very frustrating because consumers are smart. They want to know the information about their product. They want to know where it's manufactured. They want to know the details of it before they put it on their body as they should. And that's what I found. I found so much just information that wasn't there. And you know, for a brand that was trying to create our own, maybe that was a smart decision that I wasn't able to, you know, pull up a brand and figure out exactly what they were doing. Um, But piece by piece, I started figuring out a little bit more and a little bit more about the industry and about the solutions and learned a lot about the patents that were in place that people were holding close to their chest. Um, But it was very overwhelming at the beginning because it's a little bit of you don't know what you don't know, which is a blessing and a curse. Mm-hmm. Um, because if I had known how hard it was, I probably would have stopped and second guessed for a second. But because I didn't, I just kept going and making mistakes and fixing those mistakes and and moving on. And it's been it's been a, a journey for sure. <laughs> It sounds like it. And you're right. I think that's the beautiful thing about when you're brand new to entrepreneurship or just even an industry, you don't want know what you don't know. And so you don't give up so easily because you're like, okay, well, I just made a mistake. Let's fix it <laughs> next right. thing. But it, that is a blessing and a curse at the same time. But that's where I think so many successful business owners have 
bloomed from that because they see the opportunity just like you did. Well, let's keep going, not letting it stop you, but it just gave you fuel of like, okay, how can I maneuver it? Just like we were talking about earlier, one day it might not work. Okay, well, there's tomorrow. Try something different, try a different lens and see what works better in that regard. And even just as the business that you've been building, how do you balance your responsibilities and make decisions that align with your mission of protecting Mm -hmm. the public while also running a successful business? Yeah, for this one, it helps that when I created LUV and our first products, it was very selfish. It was for myself. I wanted a product that I could wear. So in that sense, I have a very, very personal, emotional tie to the brand and to the product. So when I make decisions, I can almost pull it back to that phone call with my mom or my first couple of days trying to find product and how alone I felt and how confused I felt. And I, I pull in that emotion in my personal experience into the decisions we make. And if I don't know, I ask our audience. That's the most amazing thing about our skin cancer community is that I can start a group chat with like 12 of them and say, all right, here's what I'm thinking. What do you guys think? And I'll get so much good advice and feedback and, and support. And it's, you never know whether or not you're making the right decision, but I get that gut feeling based off of these conversations and just being so aligned with who the LUV woman is, what are they wearing? What is their job? What do they do for fun? Um, Are they at brunch? Are they at a winery? What are they doing? And I use that as kind of fuel for for what we do. And it also helps that I consider myself one of the key LUV women. So I use that as well as kind of a a base for, you know, starting decision-making before I get other opinions and feedback. Yeah, I think that's so important because when we are directly talking to the audience and the people that are going to be purchasing it, the customers, there's more weight in that where we can have a little bit more market research. And I'm so curious what strategies outside of obviously reaching out to the group chat that you've been able to implement effectively marketing the product, promoting it to a wider audience to gain awareness of the importance of sun protection. One of the things that I instituted our very first winter. So sun protective apparel, super popular in the summer, not so popular in the winter. So I knew I was going to have to do something to continue our momentum in those colder seasonal months where people maybe aren't as outside as much, aren't thinking about sun protective apparel. And during that time, our very first sum, our very first winter, excuse me, I created our ambassador program. So mm-hmm. I started reaching out to women who were in the skin cancer community, were telling their stories and had pool in that community specifically. And that was exciting because a lot of the other sun protective apparel industries had an ambassador program, but they were reaching out to people who maybe didn't have a tie to the industry or maybe weren't talking about their skin cancer experience. So it it had kind of a disconnect. Like, yes, I see they have 50,000 followers on Instagram, but they're not telling anything that makes me feel seen or heard when they're sharing the product. And I knew our product has a story behind it. It has an emotional story and so do the women who wear it. So I wanted to give them an opportunity to share it. So we launched the ambassador program. And when I launched it, I started reaching out to, like I said, the women and said, okay, let's get on an Instagram live. Let's just talk. Let's tell your story. And then we'll follow it up with a blog post. And the most beautiful thing started to happen where people said, 
I have a friend who also wants to come along or we started receiving DMs from people saying, I want to become an ambassador. How do I do that? And before I knew it, three months later, we had 20 ambassadors and I just wasn't expecting it. Yeah, that's so beautiful too, because it's just, it starts with telling a story, being able to connect. And I think you touched on something so important. It's when the missions align and when people like you can have 50,000 followers, let's say, but if they're not connecting to what the true story is and the mission and the values, it can have that disconnect and you feel that disconnect too. But the fact Mm -hmm. that you didn't even intentionally put it out there in the way of creating all these band of brand ambassadors of putting it out there, understanding the story, but also people were connecting because they felt heard and seen. That's like what I'm hearing too, where it's, there is a space for this and it's only going to grow. And I'm so curious, what are the future plans and initiatives for the works of LUV and to expand the product line, but also collaborate with other organizations? Oh my gosh, we have so many plans. I mean, from expanding product. I mean, we have just women's now. I want to do men's. I want to do kids. I want to do pets. Like how cute would a little pet bandana be? Adorable. Um, And then we are, you know, slowly starting our wholesale approach. So we have certain boutiques that are carrying our products, expanding outside the US. I mean, we just have so many plans and I have so many ideas that I'm just so excited to keep growing. And what I always tell people is what you see now is just like a teensy tiny bit of where I envision the company going and what I see the company becoming. It's just little by little, day by day. We're a small company, so it takes a while to get that progress. And then in terms of organizations, there are so many fantastic foundations out there that are working towards prevention and education. And I want to know them all and I want to work with them all. And I want to continue to lift each other up. Even if a company is like technically one of our competitors, how I see it is we're in, we're aligned in terms of our mission. We're all trying to do the same thing, which is to help people continue to live their lives on their terms. And of course, I hope people choose our apparel because I think we're the best. (laughs) I just want them to choose something. So at the end of the day, you know, if there's another brand or another company that we want to join arms and lift each other up. Totally okay with that. This space is for all of us. And at the end of the day, our end consumer is different because everyone needs this product. So there's a huge market for it. People just aren't realizing that everyone needs it. Um, You know, babies, older people, no matter your, your race, your gender, your ethnicity, none of that stuff matters. Everyone needs to protect their skin. So they're there's room for all of us. Yes, I I completely agree with you. I do think there is room for everybody and it's just being able to help more people in different capacities, but understanding the importance of it too. And I want to go back to the manufacturing aspect of the product and everything that you had to do. What were some of the tools and places and things you had to do in order to get your business up and running? (laughs) A lot of Google, (laughs) if I'm being honest. It was a lot of Google searches and a lot of trying to figure out just any kind of information I could. There was no like laid out plan of you want to manufacture? Here's a database to find that. There was there were no tools like that. So it was a lot of cold calling, a lot of emails, a lot of no's, and then finally a no that I turned into a yes. So the manufacturer we currently work with, they told me no. And I said, guess what? We're going to work with you. So here what do you need to turn this into a yes? And they're like, well, we need this. We need your pattern. We need your fabric. We need all this stuff. And I said, done. All right. I'll have it sent to you. And they're like, okay. 
good to go. And that's just an example of like, I never would have done that when I was starting out. Um, I would have been so shy and okay, well, they probably know best because they're in the industry and I don't know that much about the industry. And I decided that if I felt like it was the right decision, maybe I could convince them. And that's what ended up happening. I, I love that story because it just goes to show what we were talking about earlier too. never take a no as a no, unless they're like, stop calling. I'm going to like put a restraining right. order on yours. <laughs> right. Use your logic. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I think too, it's just so important to recognize that if you didn't say, okay, well, what do you need to make this a yes? What if you didn't back down, you just kept moving forward. And that's been the theme I've heard from you from the beginning, as well as just keep going. You might have to change your strategy to get to that goal, but it's still possible. And it's just recognizing, okay, it's a no for right now. How do I go around it? Go the back door instead of the front door. Right. Yeah. Spot on. It's also about a little bit of building resilience too. And, and resilience doesn't mean that you also don't have your days where you're crying on the bathroom floor and overwhelmed. I mean, you certainly still have those days, but building resilience is something that's so important. And when you have a gut feeling about something, you got to trust your gut. And that's been really important to learn as well. Even in situations where I feel like I'm not the smartest person in the room, or I feel like I don't know stuff being confident and having the resilience and saying, all right, well, I'm just going to ask. And if I look silly, at least I asked the question. So I'm doing better than, than that previous me five minutes ago, who didn't even try because they felt so out of sorts. Absolutely. It's just putting yourself out there too, because if you don't, nothing will change. It'll stay exactly the same. And so right. people that are listening, that are aspiring entrepreneurs, or even on this journey, what advice do you have for those that are passionate about creating a socially conscious business or making a positive impact in their chosen industry. Yeah, I think it's so important that if you want to start a brand, you have to have something to back it more than just a product. So specifically for a product-based business, what organizations do you want to give back to? Do you want to donate a portion of the proceeds? Do you want to be eco-friendly? Do you want to be reef safe? It is so important to have those items as part of your company mission. One, because it's fantastic marketing. Too, because it is your opportunity to make the world a better place. So if you're not utilizing it, not utilizing your platform for that purpose, I think that's kind of silly. But I think having some ties to some greater purpose is really important for consumers nowadays. They want to invest in a product that is doing good for the world and makes total sense. Why would you invest in something that isn't making your world a better place for you to live in? couldn't agree more. That's how I feel about solar. I'm <laughs> being in the solar district <laughs> myself. Uh, it's all about the sun, you know, but mm -hmm. even with everything that you have learned along this journey, the ups, downs, everything in between, what would you say are your top two tips just for entrepreneurs listening that you have learned that you want to share right now? The first one is definitely when you want to stop, keep going. Um, there were a lot of times where I feel like we've been done and I feel like it's time to stop. And then that might be my thought on a Friday. And then on a Monday, a huge wholesale order comes in or a new opportunity comes in. And I remind myself, thank God I didn't stop. Remember Friday when I was crying on the bathroom floor? That was so dramatic of me. Thank God I didn't stop. Um, so that's the first one. Really just keep going. And then the second one is stop being so hard on yourself. And this is something I tell myself on a daily basis is we were talking about this before we started recording. A lot of people who are entrepreneurs and creative and striving to grow things are very type A and you're a high achiever. 
And something that comes with those two characteristics is that you're super hard on yourself when something happens and it's a failure and you're like, oh, I can't believe that just happened. Or you're so hard on yourself. Stop being so hard on yourself because entrepreneurship and a product-based business is probably one of the hardest things you can ever do. Um, And I just remind myself to be proud of myself. I know that sounds kind of cheesy, but I'm like, look at where you've come and take a second and remind yourself that you didn't know any of these things two years ago. And now you have taught yourself and you have figured it out and keep going. So stop being so hard on yourself. Go get a glass of wine, read a book, calm down from personal experience, all of the above. (laughs) I love it. And I love your transparency too, of just your journey and how there are moments where we hit the ground and we're just like, I can't do this anymore in that moment, but then realize, okay, I I needed the moment and now let's regroup and get back to it. (laughs) But I think it's just realizing it's never perfect. It's going to be bumpy. If you have the mission and you're aligned to it and you see the bigger purpose, you see what you're being able to achieve every day, even if it's just, okay, I got out of bed and I read my book, I had a glass of wine, whatever it is to like get you through, but understanding too, it's more about what you're doing and creating in this world and having that positive impact because that's exactly what you're doing. And I'm so proud of what you've been able to accomplish, even though I haven't known you that long, but still it's just, (laughs) it's incredible because I do think more people need to be aware of it because we talk so much about our mental health, being a former therapist, like that is really important. Yeah. Our physical health, staying healthy, but our skin is our largest organ Mm -hmm. as well. And we don't talk about it enough. At least I don't hear about it enough. Maybe I'm not looking as much as I should, but I think it's a really important conversation that needs to continue, but also protecting our skin is number one. So I'm so glad we had this conversation today, (laughs) but Erica, where can people find you, find your products? We're going to link everything below, but if you could let us know too. Yep. So you can shop all of our products at lowultraviolet.com. You can find us on Instagram at lowultraviolet. And then that's the same across Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube. And then me personally, you can find me on Instagram at Erica N. Sullivan. Um, So that's my personal Instagram. If you just want to get to know each other on a more personal level. Thank you so much, Erica, for just being so transparent and enlightening about why it's so important to take care of our skin, but also having the solution for us at the same time. (laughs) Thank Thank you again for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Make sure to like, subscribe, comment below. What was the biggest takeaway from Erica today? She gave us a lot of insight around skin and the clothing we're wearing. Make sure to like, subscribe, comment below, and we'll see you on the next episode.